This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rota Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back and I am absolutely over the moon after what feels like a millennia to be able to say that I'm here to record a podcast after a Sunderland win. Yeah, we're going to get straight into it, I think. We are joined by uh, Phil West. Hi, Phil. Hi, Gav. How are you doing? Tickly boom, mate. And we are Excellent. also glad to be joined by uh, Tom White. Hi, Tom. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm much happier this week than I have been for a long, long time. <laughs> well, when I spoke to you, Tom, to arrange this pod before the game... You thought we were going to get battered five 0 You really put the downer on us. Well, actually, so I bet I bet that was a nice surprise for you. Well, when I saw the team sheet, I actually changed that from five 0 to seven 0 So <laughs> it, it, it really was a nice surprise. Well, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I did not see that coming, Tom, at yeah. all. I don't think any of us did. Especially, especially like you say, when I saw the team sheet and I, I saw that he was starting. Um, Arbnett Jamadji centre half. I thought that was a bit of a wild card. I saw that he had uh, Gooch back in the team, who, to his credit, was actually really good, but has struggled for form as of late. It was, yeah, it came a bit out of left field, didn't it? I'm still not, I'm still struggling to process it, if I'm honest. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, I, I kind of, we've got so used to going behind and then just never really getting back into the game. We have a, a, a kind of late push to try to get an equaliser, which we got against Burton. Uh, we got an equaliser against MK Dons, but then went and conceded again. I just um, I didn't have very much hope for yesterday at all. I thought maybe we might we might battle to a to to a point, maybe even a lucky victory in a way. Maybe, maybe there'd be an own goal or they might get a player sent off. But actually, we won three nil and completely deserved it. And I was really happy watching the way we played. What about you, Phil? Didn't see it coming at all. I had a big shock before the game. Even before the team sheet was published, I felt it was going to be a, a fairly comfortable win for Wigan because obviously, you know, coming off of the, the, the late draw we managed to scrape against Burton in midweek, it felt as though the team was just totally bereft of confidence. Wigan obviously going for automatic promotion, one of the form teams in the league. The subplots of Max Power and James McLean, etc., etc. So, yeah, it was. I didn't see it coming, Gav. It took me completely by surprise, but in a very, very good way, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm buzzing like really secretly deep down. <laughs> I know I don't sound totally buzzing, but I just I didn't see it coming. I think that we've gave the players a lot of stick recently, and rightly so, because you know it's not just about results; it's about performances. And recently, performances have been terrible, Tom, haven't they? But I think as a team collectively, 
they were they were really good and they worked hard for each other and and ultimately y- y- like you said they deserved the three points yeah i mean the minimum requirement should be hard work and work for each other but they they definitely did do that but what was obvious for the first time in a while is that every single player on the pitch they knew what their job was i was a little bit confused against burton because as as far as i saw it it was a a back three and pritchard was playing behind the two strikers but Mate of mine is adamant it was 4-4-2. It's just that Pritchard kept drifting inside. And if that was the case, then those players were not doing what they were told to do because there's no way that that could have been the case, that you set up in that formation, but one player is completely out of position. Yesterday, every player knew exactly what their role was. Whatever they'd worked on on the training ground had gone in. They'd, they'd listened to whatever Alex Neal and the coaches had said to them on the training pitch, and they executed it perfectly. And once a manager can get his ideas through to the players and those players know exactly what they're doing throughout the 90 minutes, that is when things start to go right. So let's hope this is the start of things going right. But I was very, very impressed with I thought every single player played well. I think Sirkin had a dodgy start, but then really grew into the game. He put in some couple of strong tackles and his confidence came in. And But the star of the show for me was, was, was Jay Matete as well. I think he was amazing. How, how, he, how good is he, by the way? Oh, Max, Max Power was understandably trying so hard to wind him up so that he'd get a second yellow card. Because I thought the first yellow card was harsh, actually. And Max Power was trying to get him sent off. He was trying to wind him up. Matete was the coolest player on the pitch. And if anything, Matete was going to wind Power up to get him a second yellow card. I thought he was class. But it was a good team performance and every single player individually, I don't think I don't think there was a weak link. No. And that, that's right, isn't it, Phil? There wasn't... A single person who let themselves down. No, it was it was a, it was a victory very much built on um, graft, hard work, resilience. As Tom just said, every every player knew their role yesterday, and they came together as a really, you know, kind of tight knit team. And pick it up on Matete. I mean, he is slotted in to our midfield as if he's been there for years. I mean, he he's given us some real bite in midfield. He's got some great ball winning ability, and I think his attitude is top notch. Gav, he really drives the team forward from that position. He, he he's really settled into life in red and white very, very quickly, which is good because, you know, a lot of players sometimes take their time to settle in, takes them a while to get up to speed, but he has settled in in no time at all. And he's 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 filled what has really been a problem position for us for quite some time. And he seems to have got that and got the, all those boxes ticked. So, yeah, really impressed with him. But, you know, as, as Tom said, it was, yeah, it was, it was a victory that was built on graft, hard work, and every player working for each other, which is exactly what we want to see. It, it feels as though to me, like, Tom just said that the ideas from Alex Neal are starting to filter through now. And yeah. that I, I like what he said to Nick Barnes after the game when he was talking about getting his ideas across the players, when he said that football, and it's, it's, it's something that's often said, but it's very true. Football is a simple game. And he said, sometimes we, we complicate things by talking a lot of crap. That's what he said. And I think that's basically what he's had to do to get any sort of uh, reaction from the players because, and this isn't a slight on Lee Johnson because I actually, thought that Lee Johnson's um, way of talking about football was interesting. It took me a little while to get used to it, but it, yeah, I, I like I like the cut of his jib. But, you know, we've gone from one extreme to the other, Tom, with regards to how the players are being coached in terms of, you know, Alex Neal, uh, he, he knows football inside out, but he's he's not going to baffle them with jargon. And, 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 and that that's probably been a good thing in the end, I think when it when it comes to this performance, I know it's took a few weeks to to see that in the performance, but we played a very rigid formation, a very rigid style. The tactics were very basic. Everyone just had to work hard. Everyone knew their job, like you said. But 
it's nice to see it finally coming across. Yeah, there were, there's been a key difference from that performance there to the to the Lee Johnson days. A key difference. By the way, it's it's only one win, and there's we've got to do this for eleven more games. Hopefully, fourteen more games actually. But mm. the, the the key difference is under Lee Johnson, we were very attacking. We pressed high, always looking to to score. weren't overly bothered if we didn't keep a clean sheet. Alex Neal came in and straight away played 4-3-3, so immediately that's slightly more defensive. It was a little bit more rigid. It was a little bit more, well, we might get a fewer chances, but we only need to take one because we need to keep a clean sheet. Um, That wasn't really working because the players were used to going for it. Now, yesterday, what clicked is that Alex Neal obviously said to the players, right, okay, you are more comfortable on the front foot, right? Go on the front foot when we've got the ball, but when we haven't got the ball, you do it my way, and that is to be more rigid, right? And that Mm. might mean something that, as fans, we're dead against. Uh, I think Lee Johnson was dead against it, and he probably deserved actually some credit for it, is that at times, if we're leading, waste time, right? Let's let's not try to dress it up, right? Waste time. Go down, pretend you've got cramp. Now, the referee was a right job's worth. He kept making the players go off, right? Which wasn't (laughs) actually necessary, especially when he was making them go off on the the far side. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was a job's worth. Uh, Getting off topic a bit though, that referee actually did very well. That second penalty, not a single person spotted it, but it was an excellent decision. So the, the referees in League One are atrocious and he was a job's worth, but actually he had a very good game. And that decision to give the second penalty was superb from him. A Premier League referee wouldn't have spotted that. It would have gone to VAR and been given the penalty. So we'll give him the credit that he deserves there. Um, but in, in, in terms of that, that time-wasting and being a little bit more clever, all right, that's the most polite way of putting it. Time-wasting is the, the real best way of saying it. Being more yeah. clever and more experienced, that is what yesterday Alex Neil got, got through to them. So yes, go forward, create chances like you were under the previous manager. But when we're leading, right, you do it my way and it worked. Yeah, Phil, that's that's a very good point, isn't it? Like, we, we are now seeing from, play, I wouldn't say players, who, no, actually, I, I, let's be honest, players who've disappointed, really, for a long time now, just yeah. reacting well to being given a simple task to do. Like, I'm, I, I've sat on here and I've talked a lot about just the, the lack of impact and the frustration that comes with Lyndon Gooch. Uh, playing yeah. as often as he does, but his role in that particular game was important. He he was, he, you know, he wasted time for us. Um, he worked very hard. I thought that um, when and it's something Bomber pointed out on the reaction pod that I didn't notice after the the Ferrari of the first penalty where Max Power tried to disrupt Ross Stewart as much as he could. In the second instance, Lyndon Gooch sort of acted as a buffer and he wasn't letting anybody get anywhere near. You know, and he was in the refs ear quite a lot and. Those are the things that I think managers appreciate about Gooch, you know. Yeah. No matter what what sort of downsides there are to his game, there are other things which he can be useful for. And wasting time and getting in the ref's lug are things that not a lot of our players do. Yeah, and I think you know, I think what Alex Neal has recognised very very quickly is that under Lee Johnson there were two key weaknesses in the team. We had a soft underbelly when teams got in our faces and made it difficult for us. And we weren't ruthless enough and streetwise enough when it came to the art of game management. And I think you saw signs yesterday that Alex Neal is starting to remedy those problems that we've had. And 
you know, it, it might not be, you know, as Tom said, it might not be pretty, but it's something you've got to do if you want to get out of this division. This division is often a, it's a real battleground and it can be really difficult to get your way through games. You've got to do what you've got to do to win games. And if that means, you know, going down with the old phantom cramp or, you know, trying to get in the ref's ear every now and then, you've got to do it. And that was something that we didn't have under Lee Johnson. I think if there was a, one big criticism of the way we played under him is that we were often too nice and we weren't ruthless enough and streetwise enough like Rotherham, Rotherham have been this season, for example. They're really, really good at what you might call the dark arts of the game. And I think Alex Neal has recognised that. So good signs yesterday that those weaknesses that were there under Johnson, there's no doubt about it, for all of the good that he did, we did have flaws in our game plan when he was mm. head coach. Neil does seem to be going quite a way to rectifying that. But, you know, it's only one game. As Tom just said, it's absolutely correct. It's only one game. It was a great victory. But what we've set yesterday is a baseline standard that has to be now met for the rest of the season. Yeah. For the remaining 11 games of the season, in the regular season, that has to be the standard. It can't be a one-off. It can't be just a freak win where everything comes together for us and then we drop off again. Yesterday, it has to be a new standard. But I think once the players, have, you know, that dressing room would have been bouncing after that game yesterday and the journey home would have been very happy for everyone, fans and players alike. And they'll want more of that. Neil will want more of that as well. Yeah, Michael Bowers has asked us on Twitter, Tom, even if it's too late for a top two push, how big could that Wigan win be for confidence and the shift in momentum, in your opinion? Well, it's a it's a strange situation to be in because we thought a few, well, weeks ago, months ago, that this game could decide who's going to get into the top two, who's going to get automatic promotion. Actually, it's it's not like that. In previous seasons, we have just missed out well, we've thrown away automatic promotion, ended up in the playoffs. We'd go into the playoffs in a bad run, so the manager would be thinking, whether it's Jack Ross or Lee Johnson, thinking, right, maybe the system isn't working. Maybe I need to change the personnel. And you're, you're kind of guessing going into the playoffs. You're also deflated because you haven't got automatic promotion. This time, it is so important that we use these next 11 games for Alex Neal to say, right, this is the best system, this is the best formation, this is my best starting eleven. If such and such is injured, such and such comes in, everybody knows their jobs, and we could go into those the playoffs, which we're not there yet, but if we go we could go into the playoffs having a very clear plan, playing well, having momentum, and and have that momentum of just the fact that we've ended the season well. And we've got a very clear plan of how to win every single game. And going into the playoffs like that could end up being advantage rather than losing the last three games of the season, having a bad run and going with no confidence and no game plan. This could be completely different. That's kind of a reason to be optimistic if we can make it into the playoffs. So if Alex Neal can just d- decide what his best system is, decide what his best starting eleven is in these next 11 games... We've actually, I would be more hopeful going to the playoffs than I have been in recent seasons. Yeah, I, I said this the other day. Uh, I just think the co- the confidence thing is key. Like you've just said, the last two times we played in the playoffs, f- our form was horrendous. And I think it, <laughs> this is this is a baseline that has to be set now. If the playoffs are our destiny, then let's make sure we can be as good as we can be going into them. Make sure that the team's as sharp as it can possibly be. Make Make sure that, you know, Everything is going in our favour going into that. And I know that it's football, we're gonna we're gonna hit snags along the way. There's still quite a lot of games left. But we, we just have to focus game to game, I think. And 
next up is Charlton and that's our latest challenge and that's it. You know, we can't worry about what's going on around us too much. Although, to be fair, when you look at the league table, you know, we had to win that game because teams around us won games and it's still very tight. Uh, I know we sat fifth, but I mean, you look at that league table, Chef Wed and Plymouth, both below us, both got games in hand on us. Uh, Wickham have got a game in hand on us, but they're seemingly slipping away now. Phil, yeah, it's a tough one now. I, th- I think I think we've just got to try and and just focus on one game at a time, haven't we? We've just got to try and make yeah, sure it's... that we we we're well oiled and and we we go into this mini run towards the end of the season focused because I think in the yeah. last two occasions we've been in the playoffs, nobody wanted to be there, and it showed come the time of the uh, of the actual games. Yeah, I mean the last two playoff campaigns we, we we've we've had we've kind of decelerated going into them instead of kind of putting our foot down and going into the playoffs as the team to fear and the team that nobody wants to play against. And I think that has to that has to change this time. I mean, if you look at them, the, the, you know the two legged semi final against Lincoln last season. Again, up until the final weeks of the season, automatic promotion seemed a genuine possibility. You know, we were, we were all getting excited. We were all thinking, yes, we could get crashed the top two. It was going to happen. Then our form dropped off a cliff. We end up in the playoffs against Lincoln. The players look deflated. The fans struggle to get themselves up for it. And then we end up losing over two legs and the season's finished. So it has to be different this time. We have to go into the playoffs with momentum behind us. And we have to be the team that nobody wants to play. We've had to readjust our target, which is fair enough. You know, from six, seven weeks ago, it was automatic promotion. That was genuinely the target. That's now no longer a realistic possibility. But you adjust... You, you you've got a you know you think of a different target and the target now has to be securing a top six place which we can definitely do and that's got to really motivate the players and I think it will and I think Alex Neil will be telling those players look lads okay promotion can still be achieved you might have to work harder for it you're gonna to have to go around the houses in order to achieve it but it's absolutely possible and we can do it so I think that has to be the message for the final 11 games of the season yeah yeah so Tom the the game next weekend like I've just said we could go one game at a time. Charlton are in terrible form, which hasn't seemed to matter at all when we've came up against these teams. What what does he do? It's a different game plan, isn't it? Ultimately, I mean, we we played against a really good side in Wigan, and we set up to frustrate. We set up to, I, I don't think we set up for a three 0 win. Really, I think we look. You could see from the team sheet it was a pretty defensive lineup. We can't play that same team in my eyes against Charlton and expect a three 0 win because Charlton are poor. Yeah, but we never beat Charlton. I am actually going. I am actually going on Saturday, and I'm just never confident against Charlton at all. And this season, actually, our away form hasn't been great. Full stop. So um, mm. it, it, it's. I think it's a lot. You know, I don't think Charlton are that poor either. I, I actually think Charlton are okay. I, I'm, I think they're in a bit of a false position. Actually, um, what we. I think he might go with exactly the same system and exactly the same players unless Danny Bath is back and he decides to put him back in at centre-back. What I worry about is every time we go behind, we may as well just end the game there, right? Because we're not going to win. Against Wigan, we got that early lead and we were able to play the way we wanted to play because we got the early lead. I worry that Charlton take a lead and it's just game over. So we now need to... To have a, a game, we, we now know that when we go ahead, Alex Neal has got a plan and our players can execute it. That was proved yesterday. Although I don't want to go behind against Charlton or behind against anyone, we need to know that we know how to get out of it. Yes, we got a late equaliser against Burton. We did equalise against MK Dons, but we still lost. 
we're not kind of uh, we we haven't mastered that like coming from behind. We didn't do it very much under Lee Johnson. Mm. Um, we, we've in fact, I mean Jack Ross, it was always ended up being a draw whether we went ahead or behind. Alex Neal's proved that he's got the right game plan for when we go ahead. We need to have a game plan for if heaven forbid we go behind in a game, and that's something that hopefully we won't see against Charlton, but we might have to. We'll learn a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot next week to see if we can follow up what happened yesterday. I'm interested to get your take on Alex Neal actually just generally. As it, what, what do you make of him so far? Because he's, like I said, very different to Lee Johnson. What was your, what do you, what did you make about him and just the whole way he was brought in to the club? Because as we know, it wasn't done in the best possible way, let's say, to be fair. No, I, I like that he's straight talking. We're, we're from the northeast. We're all straight talking, so we can we can relate to that. I remember Mick McCarthy was always asked, you know, like about his about his like his honesty, and he and he'd say, "Well, do you want me to? Would would you prefer if I was honest with you, or would you prefer if I lied to you?" Right? Obviously, you prefer <laughs> someone to be honest with you. All right? And and Alex Neal is just telling it telling it straight. I know a little bit more about him than most because my my Scottish team is Hamilton, right? So I mean he was absolutely brilliant for Hamilton, um, up there. So far, it's obvious that he is confident in his own ability. That's a good thing. There are a lot of similarities between him and Chris Coleman. I'm seeing when Chris Coleman was our manager, he tried everything. Right, he knew he was a good manager. He put in hundred percent effort all the time. Was really passionate. Really wanted to succeed, and that's what I'm seeing from Alex Neal. Key difference, all right? Because I know people are going to think, "Well, hold on, we got relegated under Chris Coleman." Key difference under Chris Coleman. Almost every player in that squad knew that they were going to go at the end of the season. They were either out of contract. Or there was loads of loans. They thought at the end of the season, whether we stay up or go down, I'm going to be going. Now, your natural reaction when you feel like that, that is not to put in the same amount of effort because you're not going to risk mm. a broken toe by trying to clear the ball if you know that you're going to be leaving the club at the end of the season. You're not going to put your head where other people wouldn't put their feet. Yeah. And that's the difference. That's what happened under Coleman because everyone was leaving. If you look at our squad, more players are likely to still be here next season because they've got longer contracts. Not there's, there's a few players on loan, fair enough, but some of those loanees we can make permanent. Okay, So there's one thing. A lot of players' yeah. contracts are a little bit longer. And there are players coming to the end of their contract who have a real chance of getting another one. Bailey Wright could get his extended if he keeps playing the way he is. So he's got something to fight for and he's a leader. Uh, Lyndon Gooch as well, same thing. He could easily get a new contract. And that's the same for quite a few players. So Alex Neal reminds me of Chris Coleman, but Alex Neal actually has it a little bit better than Chris Coleman did. And that could be a benefit. But so far, I am impressed with him, but it's mainly the fact that he's so honest. Yeah. What about the way he was brought in the club as well? Just to touch on that. I think we were all disappointed with how long it took. Yes, definitely. I do think we were right to do a proper interview process. I think that's the right way to do it. And I think that's the way we'll keep doing it. I don't understand why it took so long because these days you don't need to meet people in, in person. Ever since COVID, we've been able to do, we, we use uh, Teams, Zoom, Skype, all of that. You can do interviews in that way. I understand the first having a first interview and a second interview, but 
Like, it's just, there's so much confusion as to what happened with Roy Keane because we have very, very good sources, right? And those sources yeah. were that Roy Keane was a number one target and that Roy Keane was very, very close to joining us and it was only a matter of time. And I just don't know what happened. And when he eventually said, I'm not going back to Sunderland, it was like, right, okay, let's go back to who we've given an interview to and who was the best interviewee. I've got a feeling that maybe Roy Key might have even... I mean, I don't know this, but maybe Roy Key even bypassed that process. It was just like, we want you. So. Yeah. And everybody else was... And the interview process was a backup. And you could argue that actually, that's not such a bad thing. We've got our key target, but actually we need someone to fall back on. I, I, I wasn't happy with how long it took, but it could end up... If, if we end up winning the playoffs, it ends up being... It ends up working out. And everybody looks back on it and say, well, we got it right. We were right to sack Lee Johnson. We were right to not give the job to Roy Keane. And we were right to do that proper interview process because Alex Needle stood out and he's the man who's got the job and he's the man that's got us up. So although we're all frustrated, and we all were frustrated, it could still work. Mm. Uh, what about the um, the end of the... Obviously, that sacking of Lee Johnson came with a day of the transfer window left. I'm just interested to get your take on that as well, how the how the transfer window went, I guess, and how we chose to make that decision with a day to go because we haven't actually uh, been able to chat to you about that. Well, the transfer window on paper was very good for us, but we signed players to suit Lee Johnson's style of play. So Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts shouldn't be in League One, but they would have suited Lee Johnson's formation down to the ground mm. put them either side of the strike in a 4-2-3-1 put them both on the wings they can swap sides throughout the game if they want to tell them they don't have to do too much in terms of defense because they're in there to help the striker and I still believe that those two should be starting both of them right yeah. but that suited Lee Johnson's style of play far more than it suits Alex Neal's type of play Alex Neal will love the fact that Lyndon Gooch will help his right back out all game long, he will do that. So will Elliot Embleton. Elliot Embleton has played fullback and wingback before for the England youth setups. So those two on the wings, their job is to attack, but they will naturally help the fullback as well. They'll naturally do their defensive work. That helps Alex. That that is that is what Alex Neal will like about them. Robertson Clark, brilliant signings, but it's no good. It's no good to us if they're not going to play. So that's the strangest thing about the timing of the sacking is that they. Whether it was Speakman or Johnson that signed them, they suited Johnson's style of play. And we've brought in a, a manager that may be their more impact subs than players who start the game, take it to the opposition and single-handedly win the game for us, which those two are capable of doing, by the way. So that's the strangest mm -hmm. thing. I still think Matete would have come in, whoever the manager was. Defoe, not so sure if he still would have come in, if it was Lee Johnson or not. I, I, I don't know. I've... Heard rumours that, uh, that Johnson wasn't as keen as others at the club, and that's that's fair enough. That kind of thing happens. I think on paper, though, it was still a very good January transfer window for us. And what we are seeing at the moment is that Jay Matete is making a huge, huge difference. And even if he's the only one that plays a lot, that is a massive plus. He has improved us, but I still think that Danny Bath will have a key role to play. And if Clark and Roberts get enough minutes... They could be key as well, but they've got to get enough minutes. They've got to be on the pitch to make a difference. 
Yeah, and I, I guess the only disappointment from from my perspective was that we sold a, a centre half and we sold a left back, and seemingly didn't replace them in the squad. That was the only only real issue I had. I mean, I was I've, people who listen to this often will know I, I I'm not I wasn't a massive fan of Denver Hume or Tom Flanagan, but that that isn't my thinking on this. My thinking is that you need options in your squad, and that you know ultimately we didn't replace those players and. That's probably why it was so nice to see um, Dennis Serkin and, and Arbanet Jamadjali actually play quite well at the weekend because we're relying on these guys to perform, aren't we? we, we we're going to struggle if we don't get performances out of these players. Well, well Terence Congolo, if he'd signed, he would have covered left-back and centre-back. I think that was that was the thing. Had he come in, he would have yeah. done both. And, and for whatever reason, that, that didn't happen. Serkin uh, definitely... As the game went on, as soon as he as soon as he actually had a bit of confidence, we saw how good a player he could be. So he clearly needs to keep playing well to keep that confidence up because it's it's vital for him. He's obviously a confidence player. As for Jamadli, uh, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen him play not properly anyway, and I was very impressed. I assumed, and this is it's so harsh to say this because he's left footed. I assumed he'd be a ball playing centre back, right? Yeah. Which would have suited Lee Johnson's style of play. He's not a ball player at all. He's a ball winner. He challenges for the headers. He's he's very he's very physical. I was impressed with the fact that he uses his right foot as well. Uh, another very harsh mm. thing that I'm I'm saying is that I assume that left footers never use their right, which is very, very harsh. <laughs> but Jim Ashley was using both feet and he was a proper hard strong centre back and it was it was quite nice to see there was that mix up with him and Patterson where he didn't realise that Callum Lang was behind him so that could have been a disaster if that had gone in if the ball had bounced off to Keane maybe and he would have just knocked it into an empty net he would have been hammering Jamadjli he probably would have been hammering Patterson as well so we got a little bit of luck with that one but I did feel that he was solid one performance but I felt that he was solid and I've been impressed with him and when we let go of Flanagan and Jamadjli was nowhere to be seen, that was a worry. Now that Jamadjli's playing, it doesn't seem like such a bad decision. But I, I do think that the Terence Congolo deal falling through, had he signed, he would have covered both positions and it, we wouldn't have been quite so short. I think we let go of Flanagan and Hume on the basis that he was definitely coming in and it didn't happen. Hmm. Did you have any sort of insight on that deal, Tom, in terms of why it never happened? Or no, was, not at all. It did seem it did seem like it was it was all set to go through on deadline day. Yeah, I I mean I I only heard about it on deadline day, and it just seemed it was it seemed that on deadline day, uh, Defoe, which there wasn't as much of a rush for Defoe, but Defoe, Matete, and Congola were going to go through. Didn't seem like there was any hitches, and I've I've not heard the reason why there was a hitch. Um, I don't know whether it's with his current club or whether it was with the player. Um, so absolutely no idea whatsoever. But he he is a good player. I would have been delighted had, had, had he yeah. come in. But at least Jamal played well yesterday. Yeah. In terms of outgoings as well, I know we've mentioned Denver Hume and Tom Flanagan. But um, other than that, Aidan O'Brien went to Portsmouth and it didn't really happen from at Sunderland, but it seems to be happening from at Portsmouth, which is... I don't, I don't know if I'm disappointed or not because I think he needed to leave for the good of... For his for his you know career and for us really he wasn't going to get a game at Sunderland, um he was sort of struggling here he's gone there and he's scoring goals how do you feel about that because I, 
it's 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 sort of like never nice, is it, when a player leaves your club who's struggled and goes and does well elsewhere. It sort of makes you think, well, why couldn't he do that for Sunderland? Yeah, well, I always liked O'Brien because of his work rate and his he was he was our he was our best defender when it came to defending set pieces, and that was that 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 proved how hard working he was. He gave everything for the club. It's I actually liked him. I think his best position was as a striker, but he wasn't a goal scorer. So it was hard to play him there. I didn't think he was particularly effective out wide. And that's where he was mainly playing, out wide. So he just it yeah. just didn't really it just didn't really suit us to to have Aidan O'Brien play. And having said that, he never actually when I said that he, he wasn't a goal scorer, but his best position is up front, he was never given a long run of games as a striker. So I might be being a bit harsh on him. But I was I understood why he was going. We only had him and Stewart as our two strikers. With Defoe coming in, that was Defoe and Stewart. And Defoe in theory should be an upgrade on Aidan O'Brien. So sad to see him go, yes, but not surprised. I didn't think he was going to get a new contract. He would have gone on a free anyway. Um but I am I'm quite happy to to see him do well because I'll tell you something that really annoys me. We often, I often hear former players getting booed when they come back to play against us. And some of them I understand, all right? James McLean has slagged us off, all right? So fair enough, booing him. Liam Bridcut absolutely hammered us as fans. Didn't hammer the club, he hammered the fans, saying the fans were the problem. Liam Bridcut, when we play Lincoln, deserves to be booed because, because he slagged us off, fair enough. But most of our former players haven't done anything wrong. They've just left. And, and I, don't, I don't like hearing those players get booed. And that's... Why, did, why was Max Power getting booed yesterday? I mean, getting booed for, for um, what he was doing with the first penalty, getting booed for trying to wind up Matete, that, that's all right. But he was getting booed before all that happened. Max Power like, was a leader here. Max Power tried, tried really, really hard. And he... He, he seemed to, to really fall in love with the club. So why is he... I don't understand why he's getting booed. And he's never slagged us off. He's actually very complimentary about Sunderland fans and about his time at the club. And actually, I've heard that he would have liked to have stayed. And so when we next... When Aidan O'Brien is next playing against us, and we've already played Portsmouth twice this season, I hope he doesn't get booed. Because... When you we are we are so guilty of having a go at our former players, even when they have they've given everything for the club like he did. So not surprised to see him go, but I am actually quite happy that he's doing well. What about you, Phil? Just on that on that whole thing with with power yesterday, is it just part and parcel of the game, or you know, is, is it a little unfair? Well, I thought it was I thought it was very unfair on him to be honest with you, because if it hadn't been for that, I think the defining image of power, unfortunately. At Sunderland was was his was that long range attempt against Lincoln in the playoff semi last year, which you know sailed five miles over the bar and ended up you know we ended up losing the game. So I I can't understand the animosity towards Max Power myself because I think that you know of the of the players who arrived at the club, you know during the summer of twenty eighteen when we had been relegated and were trying to rebuild, I felt that he was always one of the better players who who came. He was versatile. He never shirked. He was always willing to give a hundred percent. He as, as Tom said, he seemed to have a real affinity for the club. 
Um, and it was it was similar to when Charlie White left last year, and you know he scored thirty one goals for us, and without his goals we would have been nowhere last season. You know I don't care how how limited he was as a striker, goals are goals, and he chipped in with his fair share last season. And then when he left, people couldn't wait to get him out the door. It was always one of the worst goal strikers we ever had. You know we won't be sad to see the back of him. Blah blah blah. I just think it's very unfair. I think some players do make a rod for their own back, um, with the way they talk about the club, they talk about the fans after they leave. But with the players who just move on, which happens every t- all, all the time, I think I don't think they deserve to be booed. And I think ma- what Max Power got yesterday was slightly harsh, um, and I don't think he deserved it. Yeah, I think it's it's happened as well with with Josh Scallon as well, who I actually really liked Josh Scallon. But regardless of whether you liked him or not, you could see how hard he worked and how much he gave for this for this club. And when you get that, I, I think that. I'm not saying they should all get a standing ovation, but I don't think they deserve to be booed. With with Charlie White, I guess it was a little bit different because he, see, see, Power wasn't offered a new contract, so that was our decision to let him go. With White, we wanted him to stay and he chose to go elsewhere. Again, I don't think he would ever deserve to be booed for it, even though he did get booed uh, on the first day of the season. That one, at least I can kind of think, okay, fair enough. But with, with Power, Scowen and, and others as well, I think we're. I, you know, I cringe a little bit when I when I hear the boon and I. I actually wish I, we 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 are. There is no doubt that we are the best fans in the world. There's no doubt, right? Nobody can win an argument with me about that. We are the best fans in the world. But that is maybe I'm nitpicking a bit. But I think that's something I wish we would cut out the booing of former players because most of them, the, the vast majority, have left on our terms rather than on their terms and the vast majority of them also gave their all for this club and gave their all for for, mm. for us as fans. Yeah, Speaking of ex-players, when we play uh, Charlton next week, there's a few there, isn't there? We've got George Dobson, Adam Matthews, I think, is getting a game down there. So I, I'm... Uh... Well, I know we've already talked briefly about the Charlton game, but I'm I'm interested to see how this one goes because, like I like I pressed on before, Charlton have had some really bad results recently. Considering where they were at one point in the season, they've they've tailed right off. But interestingly, they've played Bolton and got beat, who are in the playoff mix now. They got beat off Wigan, then they got beat off Oxford, who are all. In the in the mix, then they got beat off MK Dons, and then they got beat off Chef Wed. So that's a rotten run, really, of of games, isn't it, Tom? I know what you you were saying before that maybe they're in a little bit of a false position, but when you you couldn't have put together really a a much harder run of games for Charlton. So I'm just hoping we can take advantage of that, and maybe that their confidence is low while ours is back on the back on the rise. Well, our confidence was sky high when we played them at the Stadium of Light and, and we lost 1-0. And I thought Charlton played well that day. And the, the, the referee was was hideous. That That's the worst referee in performance. I, I remember I was at the game and I was saying to the people around me, that referee is a Newcastle fan because there is no <laughs> way he could possibly be making those decisions. It, 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 was, it, it, was, it, it was awful, right? His performance that day was... Was, was terrible, the referee. But I still think Charlton played well. And Charlton just always beat us. They get fired up against us. And the players are all behind. I, I know they've had some bad results, but the players all like Johnny Jackson. I know that. They're all behind the manager. He's got some some coaches there who the players all love. I know that the players all love Jason Ewell, who's there as well. And they will be working, they will be working hard to turn it around at Charlton. They haven't just 
given up on the season. They will be they are they're playing for the manager. Um, they're playing uh, for the club. I think that they will be. It won't be. There'll be no lack of effort from Charlton on Saturday. In fact, I think there'll be a heck of a lot of effort, especially against us. And they, for some reason, they really, they they really love. <laughs> Charlton don't like us very much. They they kind of, <laughs> they still go back to that that playoff final, and so do we. It's 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 still painful for me thinking about that penalty shootout, and they they will give it everything on Saturday. I am I am nowhere near as confident as, um, as a lot of people. And, and I know their form is bad, but. Crikey, before Saturday, our form was even worse. Mm. Phil, how are you feeling about this one? Um, reasonably upbeat about it, but, you know, like I said earlier, you know, yesterday cannot be just a one-off, you know, freak result where we catch a team, you know, everything comes together for us and we catch a team maybe on a bit of an off day for them. So, yeah, I think, the, you know, there's always a bit of, his, you know, history in this fixture, um, you know, of which we have been affected you know, quite a bit over the years by Charlton. You know, often we look at the fixtures and we see Charlton and we think, oh God, you know, that's going to be another another really tricky game, what with all the all the all the previous we've got with them. Um but again I think if we can if we can go down there and if we can execute the same kind of game plan that we that we had yesterday, you know, really work hard, make sure that everybody knows exactly what their role is. And um, of course we can beat them. You know, there's no doubt about that. But the problem is, is that we've been unpredictable for a long, long time. You know, we, you know, nobody would have seen that result coming yesterday, and you know, we could go down there on Saturday and we could beat Charlton comprehensively again. But on the other hand, you know, we might, you know, lapse back into, our, into some of our road habits and we might not be at it, and they might take advantage of it. So, because of the, the inconsistency we've had for a lot of this season, it's a very, very difficult game um, to get. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually draw next Saturday, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if it's on us even after 90 minutes because I think you've got two teams there who are quite re- quite well matched, actually. Um, and, yeah, I think it'll be trickier than it was yesterday, but I, st- I still think we can get a draw out of the game at the bare minimum. Just to round off then, Tom, where do you see the season going from here? Are you are you upbeat? Uh, oh, <laughs> more upbeat than I was, but I, I, tell you, I still think it's touch and go whether we make the playoffs. I, I really do, and I do think that if we if we can get these next eleven games right, I will I will go into the playoffs feeling quite confident. I'm just really worried that we might not get there. I am more hopeful after yesterday because of the effort the players put in, because of the the way they they listened to Alex Neil and completely understood the system and, and understood their roles. Like I said earlier, that gives me a lot more confidence. And the players winning three 0 away at Wigan, they should take confidence from that as well. But I really am at the moment 50-50 whether we get into the playoffs. We've got to keep this going. Massive win yesterday, but it, it, it's it's not <laughs> it's not salvation. It's not game over. We've got to keep this going. Cautiously optimistic, maybe I would say. <laughs> but we're just yeah. if it's even Ish. that, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I'm it's with 50, you. Like. I'm honestly, with you. it's 50-50 for me. If we go away to Charlton and beat them, and that's two big wins in a row, especially away from home, then I'd say then. I'd feel cautiously optimistic. I'm not actually quite as strong as that at this stage. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I think we've just got to try and keep our heads screwed on, make sure that, like I said earlier, we go one game at a time. And you're totally right about Charlton, really. We can't take them for granted. I'm just looking at the team that they had out yesterday, and it's a decent League One team with a lot of good players sitting on the bench as well. So it's we've just got to try and take advantage of the fact they're not scoring goals and they've been getting battered for weeks. And we've just got to try and take advantage of that. That's my only real hope going into this game is that somehow we, we pull one out the 
out the hat again and I mean we've got it in us we've got enough talent in the team I think it's nice that the manager's ideas are finally coming across we can see the players responding finally which I was a little bit worried about going into the game is that the players just didn't seem to be responding to Alex Neil at all in in the first sort of two or three games and that um, we weren't getting any sort of new manager bounce so let's just hope I mean that's all we can ever do with Sunderland is just hope that we get we get it right I mean we've said it repeatedly we have to be in good form going into those playoffs and yeah, we've just got to win each game. Go each game at a time and make sure we win this one. Well, I've been in loads of games this season, as you know, mainly away from home. And I am going to uh, scare you now by telling you I've only seen us win once and that was away at MK Dons. Same. Every game, <laughs> apart from that away game at MK Dons, we have either lost or drawn. So <laughs> I might be a bad luck omen. So it might not be a bad thing if I accidentally lose my ticket and uh, and don't go on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, there might be 10,000 listeners hoping you get a flat tyre <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, Ches, Tom, thanks for joining us, mate. Always appreciate your time. Uh, I hope I hope that we're, we're talking next week about a win. Uh, there will be... Uh, preview podcast during the week uh, and a reaction pod after the game all your usual stuff on rotereport.com to come uh, I did forget to say thanks to Phil I always I always forget you Phil you, you, yeah, you're an afterthought today cheers Phil and uh, cheers to everyone who has listened today thank you very much and we'll catch you later This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.